0: guys. Mr. E, Scotty, and I will be taking a little vacation. Not together. Don't be silly. And so our next episode, Lucky Number 13, will be available wherever you listen to podcasts on Monday, August 2nd. We'll still be on social media, so you can check us out there. And we will actually be looking for some stories from you guys for that episode. So keep your eyes peeled. See you in August, and remember to breathe. Except if you're around a smelly middle schooler.
1: See ya! Well, this Beyond the Test is not a show about being a better teacher. We can't help you there. We can, however, give teachers a voice to tell their stories and to speak their minds. So sit down, get comfy, and let us distract you from that stack of papers or your flooded inbox with stories from teachers just like you. Don't worry, there won't be a quiz at the end.
0: Welcome to Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod, two teachers explore the realities of education. Today, we dip our toes into the cloudy, unclear puddle of critical race theory. What is it? Who cares about it? And what does that mean for you? I'm your host,
2: Yo Miss. And I'm your co-host, Mr. E. Uh, Yo Miss, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing really well. I actually um, I had a really great experience last week. On the last day of school in the district in which I taught, they uh, there was a breakfast for retirees from this past year. And so myself and, and one of my friends who retired at the same time as I did were invited back and we got to see all of our co-workers and because I worked in the middle school and then I worked in the elementary school for a long time before that, I went. Visited people at the elementary school, and we got to see some of the kids. So it was just really fun. Some of these people I hadn't seen since March thirteenth, twenty twenty.
2: Yeah, so it's it's been a while.
0: It's been a while, and they all said I looked good, so I was happy. I love them. Shout out to all my my pals, and actually some of them are listening to the pod, and uh, they did tell me at least one person told me that they actually call our principal pro suit behind his back so <laughs> we have had an impact in uh, my former school
2: wait not not to his face yet
0: no no okay. no although yeah. he probably wouldn't notice anyway
2: and <laughs>
0: fortunately he was not at the breakfast because he was busy getting ready for the 8th grade moving up ceremony which i don't he had i don't know what he had to do he does nothing. So you probably just stood there. But of course, in typical fashion, you know, face palm fashion of my old district. So we went to the moving up ceremony, not the ceremony itself, but just to see the kids lined up and saw the kids. And we left and come to find out afterwards that apparently they announced us. They had a certificate for us. They asked us to come up on stage. And of course, we weren't there because nobody told us that they were going to do this. And nobody told us not to leave. So, you know, classic, it's just, oh, that good. is just perfect. I mean, <laughs> this is why I had to retire during COVID because these were not the people I wanted to put my life into their hands. You know, like, yeah, they, it, this was so simple. They could have just turned around and said, Oh, you're here. Great. Have a seat. We're going to call you up onto the stage. Nope. So, but other than that, it was, it really was great to see everybody (laughs) and to have that last day of school, even though I wasn't teaching was, was kind of fun too. So
2: it was good. I just don't understand that whole process of like, we're, we're going to do this whole thing for these two people, but we're not going to tell them.
0: We're not going to tell them. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that's. This is where I worked. This is what it was. This is what it is. This is where it'll always be. But now I am just a ghost of an initiative past. So off I go. <laughs> and uh that's it. So but it was it was really fun. It was very fun and you know people kept saying, "Oh, this you got closure." And I had actually gotten closure within myself a long time ago. So it was just lots of fun. Oh, and they got us tiaras. We had crowns oh. and walked around. So that was cool hey. too. Right. Yeah, it was fun. Very fun. How are you, Mr. E?
2: You know, I'm good. I'm uh three weeks and almost three days smoke free. Feeling pretty good.
0: Good. That's great.
2: You know, a, a bit lethargic. I haven't really started exercising in earnest yet, but that'll uh-huh. that'll come. You know, I will um mostly I, I switched to the two milligram nicotine gum. So good. You know stepping like, down. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm doing okay, little by little. It's good. It's it's all good news. That's great. All right. So today we don't have a current event because the well, I guess we do. The current event that we have is pretty much all over the place. So instead of a single current event, we decided to focus this episode on a topic that's been in the news over the past. Well, several weeks or several months, depending on where your focus is. And, and that topic is critical race theory in schools. So we decided to talk about this because, you know, obviously this is going to affect how we do our jobs and it's hard to avoid. It's all over the news. Anytime you hear about schools in the news right now, you're hearing about critical race theory or related issues about
0: it. Absolutely. And what what we came to find is, you know, just like everybody else, we were hearing about this. So we started to discuss it with each other. And I'll admit, we really, there were so many things we didn't know, other than what we were seeing in little news bites that we said, okay, you know what, we've got to look into this, we want to inform ourselves, we want to inform our listeners. What we're going to be doing today is basically just giving you some information on what critical race theory is and isn't, why there is this big push right now about it, what states are doing. And then we're going to talk about where this leaves you, because in the end, this is this is about us, about teachers. And so... One thing that we do want to request is, you know, we've been immersing ourselves in this topic and uh, it's pretty overwhelming. There's a lot of information and a lot of misinformation. We would love to hear from you. If you have an opinion, if we get something wrong, please let us know, but please let us know respectfully because I'm going to say I'm, I'm a little nervous. This is, you know, it's a hot topic. It's, it's a very... Uh, polarizing topic. And I, I don't want somebody getting in touch with me and screaming in my face. You're, you're an idiot, you know? So
2: (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I am an
0: idiot, but I don't scream it at me.
2: (laughs) I mean, we, we all have our moments. That's for sure. No, I, I called you a couple days ago and I told you that I was kind of panicking about this Mm -hmm. episode because there's so much. There's so much to read. There are so many opinions. There are so many ins and outs to this issue that I don't want to mess this up.
0: So we're just going to keep it simple. We're going to keep it as factual as we can. So let's dive in.
2: Okay. So first of all, I I think we need to define what critical race theory is. As you said, we, we both had to admit that we know very little about it. So a lot of effort went into just defining it. My first source comes from uh, the American Bar Association, an article by Janelle George, A Lesson on Critical Race Theory, and she says that CRT is not a diversity and inclusion training. She says that CRT is the practice of interrogating the role of race and racism in society that emerged in the legal system and spread to other fields of scholarship. Next, I, I have an article from AP News from Brian Anderson that, again, defines or tries to define critical race theory. And a couple of things that it points out is that this was developed during the 1970s and 1980s in response to what they viewed as a lack of racial progress following the civil rights legislation in the 1960s. Kimberly Crenshaw says that initially it was simply about telling a more complete story of who we are.
0: Okay, so... This has been around since the 70s and 80s, and my understanding was it was actually first developed at law schools to look at the systemic racism embedded in laws, and also because after laws were passed, you know, the Civil Rights Act in the 1960s, change didn't really take place as much as one would have hoped, and so they were looking for why, and that was kind of where they they ended up that it's embedded in our in our system
2: and i and i think when i say all these things i i'm not exactly painting a very clear picture and and that's where what you sent me this morning came in really handy you had found me an explanation from a redditor that you yes. had that you had talked to yes and this this guy actually broke it down in a pretty simple way this comes from Reddit user nope no ha no I hope I'm not butchering that <laughs> um, but he says that critical race theory is the practice of critically examining the law and how it intersects with race racial justice in order to challenge mainstream approaches to racial, just, racial justice it argues that social problems are created more by societal structures and cultural assumptions than individual psychology. That makes a lot more sense to me, especially when you consider the examples that he gave. And he says, for example, if we want to understand why so many Black people still live in segregated poverty and don't own their homes, we should also talk about the practice of redlining. And then he says that, or I should say he or she, I don't know for sure. They. They, yeah. (laughs) Or how newly freed slaves were largely excluded from the Homestead Act So today, more than 46 million white families can trace their family's wealth to the Homestead Act. Okay. So what does all this mean in terms of like, what are the basic tenets of critical race theory? And I think, well, there's, there's five, according to what I can tell. Number one, racism exists because, well, duh, we see it all around us. You know, Mm -hmm. that's obvious. Two, racism is ordinary and not remarkable. It is common. Three, racism serves a purpose. Some people benefit from it. So that's why it sticks around Four, race is a social and in some cases, economic construct five, the interpretation and socialization of races evolve. For example, in this country at one point, the Irish and Italians were not considered to be white people Mm -hmm. and the question of like, what is Hispanic? How are Dominicans considered Hispanic people, but Haitians are considered black? How are Mexicans Hispanic, but Pueblo Indians are considered Native American just because they're separated by a river? <laughs> These are social constructs. So this this information I got from uh, Michael Harriet. He's the uh, senior writer on theroot.com. He gave this very comprehensive explanation of of the basic tenets of Critical race theory. So that's that is my understanding of the definition. And I don't know if you can tell, but I'm sweating profusely <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like there's got to be more, right? Like there there has to be more, there and I'm are, just not seeing not, it or getting
0: it. Well, no, we're not going getting more right now. Uh,
2: no, okay, that's a so, lot.
0: Is that well, it is a lot. And if you haven't already developed a headache or fallen asleep or whatever during this, uh, after hearing all this, you might be wondering, well, what does this have to do with me? I teach sixth grade, I teach high school. And you're you're not wrong, okay? This is something that was part of academia for years on the graduate level uh, and, and colleges. Really not something that touched K through 12 education, okay? So this whole looking at everything through the lens of racism, not something that we really talked about or even had anything to do with.
2: And I think it's important to point out that in K through 12, we're still not teaching critical race theory.
0: No, no, we're not. No, we are not. So there has been this big movement against critical race theory which again begs the question why are you perpetuating a movement against something that's not happening but i'm about to tell you why so first i want to just bring up a quote by senator ted cruz a republican from texas you're all familiar with and he said critical race theory seeks to turn us against each other and if someone has a different color skin seeks to make us hate that person critical race theory is bigoted it is a lie and it is every bit as racist as the Klansmen in white sheets. Huh. So when I heard that, I said, okay, now I really have to do some research. What on earth is he talking about? So I immersed myself in the opponents of critical race theory. God bless me. And I.
2: You're a far braver person than I, I
0: am. Yes. Well, I, I <laughs> want to know both sides to the story. And so um, first. Critical race theory, according to Mike Gonzalez of the Heritage Foundation, which is a very conservative uh, group of people, is actually a racist construct because it is singling out a group, in this case, white people, and judging them. It is also considered divisive relating to topics like white privilege or that people of color are disproportionately harmed by police. So what he's saying is you're being a racist by adopting critical race theory or using critical race theory. Critical race theory encourages tribalism per Brian Bartning, co-founder of the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. And it also encourages white children to feel guilty and bad about themselves simply for being white. Mike Gonzalez of the Heritage Foundation also said that critical race theory repudiates Martin Luther King's teachings because it encourages people to judge by the color of one's skin and not quote the content of one's character, which is of course a quote that we are all familiar with. And finally, what the opponents are saying, they are saying that critical race theory is absolutely being taught in K through 12 schools it is in your school. You just might not know it, but it's in your school. Now, there are very, very few examples of anything relating to critical race theory being taught in K through 12 schools. However, there are, uh, I have six examples here, I'm just going to give you one or two, of situations where teachers took it upon themselves to go out on a limb. One was very well-known situation in Cupertino, California, home of Apple, where third grade students were forced to analyze their racial and other identities, I repeat, third grade students, rank themselves according to their supposed power and privilege, and were informed that those in the dominant culture categories created and continue to maintain this culture to uphold power. I mean, what the fuck? Okay, these are third graders. These are kids. Yeah. Who, these are kids who. There, some of them don't tie their own shoes. Okay, like. <laughs> and, and and they don't. I mean, that's that's legit. So, you know, that's one <laughs> example of critical race theory or diversity being taught through the lens of critical race theory. Also, in some of the Buffalo public schools, teach students that all white people perpetuate systemic racism and are guilty of implicit racial bias. So opponents of critical race theory being in the schools grab onto these few examples and say this is happening this is going to take over the world this is going to ruin our country
2: yeah and and to their credit these these scenarios that you're bringing up this is wrong oh yeah like this i mean doing doing this with third graders no like that's that's not cool you know you can't do that teaching your students that all white people perpetuate uh, systemic Mm -hmm. racism no that's not cool. <laughs> you, no, you can't no, it's, do it, that.
0: It's not. And, you know, but um, I I guess because if people don't have the appropriate training in you yeah, know, teaching yeah. about diversity, about equity, we all know that there are some loose cannons out there and- these are them, but by the same token, these are not examples of this being taught throughout the country or white kids having to apologize to kids of color, saying like, "I'm sorry, I'm," you know, which is what <laughs> if, if you, as I did, immerse myself in some of the YouTube videos from the Heritage Foundation and.
2: Oh man! Yeah, yeah
0: it it's um it's interesting. It definitely is.
2: It's so, a, it's a whole big rabbit hole, I imagine. It, yeah. Oh.
0: It is. Yes. So that is what the opponents are saying, that it's it's going to perpetuate actually a different form of racism and as divisive and that we should be learning to, you know, can't we all get along?
2: Yeah. So. Well, and we don't want to talk about this for, for too long, but I, I think we need to talk about what states are doing. You mm-hmm. know, um, yeah. there are, uh, by my count, 26 states that are that have either signed bills into law or. Are, are having laws proposed or taking other state-level actions or are in the process. Six states, uh, New Hampshire, Tennessee, Iowa, Oklahoma, Texas, and Idaho, Idaho have already signed laws in effect that limit the ability of teachers uh, to teach about critical race theory or the 1619 Project or other related things.
0: Right, but the laws don't, don't mention critical race theory.
2: Not, not all of them. Some do um okay, a, a few a few do and I, I, I didn't can't think that
0: any of them did actually. I, I think
2: I think a few do um I'll have to check on that again but yeah I I thought a few of them did a few even named the 1619 project Yes, that they did name. do yeah.
0: yes they did but I I was pretty sure that they avoided the actual term critical race theory
2: Let's see, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and South Carolina have laws proposed and are currently moving through the state legislature. Montana, Utah, Georgia, and Florida have taken other actions at the state level. Some are just like resolutions, some are, they're not written into law yet, but they're getting there. So anyway, it's happening in currently 26 states across the country.
0: And I just want to point out that, you know, those of us who are from the Northeast and have that feeling always feel like, oh, that's happening down South. That doesn't affect us. Um, Rhode Island is in the Northeast, Maine, New Hampshire. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. there are states that are, you know, somewhat local to those of us who think this doesn't touch us. It does. So,
2: however, so far, the, (laughs) the, the winner of uh, all time crazy (laughs) once again goes to the state of Texas.
0: <laughs> God bless the Lone Star State. Uh,
2: oh man. Okay. So the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and and this is a, a very conservative group that has a lot of effect on educational policy and other state level policy decisions in the state of Texas. On, <laughs> I'm sorry, this just blows me away. On June 29th they sent out a tweet with this question. Are you wondering if critical race theory is being taught in your child's school? Stay on the lookout for some of CRT's less buzzworthy names and language. Hashtag ban CRT. And then below this tweet, they posted a picture. And And by the <laughs> way, this tweet has long since been taken down.
0: But it will make it into our, our episode notes. So, not to yes, worry. I,
2: I did take a screenshot of this because I could not believe what I was seeing. They listed a, a, a list of buzzwords of how to identify critical race theory in the classroom. And when you see this, you will understand how insane this is because number two on this list are equity, diversity, and inclusion. Apparently that's critical race theory. Uh,
0: apparently it is. Include you know what happens when you talk about inclusion in a in a special education sense. Like is that a problem uh, too?
2: I I don't know. Uh, I'm so confused.
0: <laughs> Why don't you give us like your top three? Your, your oh man three favorites.
2: Okay. Uh, number eleven colonialism.
0: <laughs>
2: Good luck talking about the Revolutionary War without talking about colonialism. It cannot be done. Mm-mm. Um, <laughs> let's see. Identity,
0: mm, it's a Just problem.
2: Flat out identity. What? And then nineteen. Black Lives Matter.
0: Oh, yeah, no, can't can't say that. Actually, my particular favorite here is number five: social justice or restorative oh, yeah. justice. Just yeah. simply because in my old school, we actually have a class called social justice. So. Uh, if my school was in Texas, you'd have to rename that class. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So now you're going to have parents who have this list. And when their kid comes home with something in their notes, and they rate the word equity, there's going to be an immediate call to the office. And why is my kid learning this? It's, it's just mind blowing. But anyway, yes. So obviously, there's a lot happening on on the state level. I also want to point out before I forget that a lot of these bills and laws not do not just refer to race. They also refer to gender.
2: Yeah. They also So so so
0: there's also the whole like, you know, male, female thing. So now that we know what critical race theory is and isn't and what the states are doing and how really this should not be your concern if you teach K through 12, but it's been made your concern. Okay. Why? Why is this happening? So I listened to uh, a podcast, Fresh Air, which is an NPR podcast. And according to Tyler Kincaid, an investigative reporter from NBC who was interviewed on the podcast, he claims that after George Floyd was murdered, teachers wondered how to discuss the murder and the resulting protests with students and also reflected, as teachers do, on how they've been teaching history. And teachers wanted to do more to support their students, okay? So you have teachers who are starting to wonder, you know, what can I do differently? In response to that, you had Fox News and a person named Chris Rufo who basically considers himself to be the father of the anti-CRT movement. They started to publicize critical race theory, ultimately ending in Donald Trump writing an executive order prohibiting federal agencies to conduct training in anything quote divisive unquote which, by the way, was repealed, I think, 30 seconds after Joe Biden became president. Also, parents seeing what's going on in their kids' schools because of virtual learning, some of them took issue with some of what was going on in the classroom. So with the help of various conservative organizations, parent groups started to demand that school board members not support the teaching of critical race theory, which, again, wasn't happening, and that those who do support it be removed. As a result, there's been violence at school board meetings. Many school boards have had to bring their school board meetings back to virtual status because of of threats of violence. And what's interesting and where I want to end this is actually a quote by Steve Bannon, who you may recall was Donald Trump's right-hand man and was the Editor of Breitbart, I think, um, publisher of Breitbart, a very conservative guy. And the quotes he says the path to saving the nation is very simple. It's going to go through the school boards. And apparently, he is hoping that this grassroots movement forms a new Tea Party type of movement that will be reflected in the twenty twenty two midterm elections.
2: You know, it, it's interesting that you say that because the Sisters of the Confederacy uh, are the daughters of the Confederacy, I can't remember yeah, daughters of the Confederacy. They've already been kind of embroiled in in school boards and and PTAs for, for years and have been affecting public school policy for, for decades.
0: Yeah. But this is bigger,
2: bigger yeah, than is. that. It yes. is.
0: I mean, yeah. yeah, school boards absolutely, you know, have had influences like that. And of course school boards get to decide curriculum you know or states do you know or um, textbook right. purchases uh, all of that stuff is is decided by school boards but you know the point that was made in this interview was also that for the most part school boards were not partisan it might have been value-based right. influence right. but it was not a partisan thing and, and I agree with that I have never known the political party of the school board candidates that I voted for or voted against but now it's becoming politicized.
2: And Well, and and so where does this leave, leave teachers? And I think this is the most important question to us. Earlier you had told me that it basically it leaves us where science teachers have been for the last 20, 30 years uh, yeah. with the question of teaching evolution versus creationism and, and that whole big debate. So basically now all of us are in that same spot, but now the rules are even less clear and that's hugely problematic. And it leaves us all in a very vulnerable position, especially in states like mine that have no union,
0: no, no union and no tenure, right? You you know, and I just, I look back at some of the things I, you know, when I taught elementary school and I taught social studies and things that I taught and lessons I taught that could, if I was in one of these states could absolutely cause me to possibly lose my job. And basically, you know, lessons on inclusion and lessons on diversity and, and, Uh, of why bigotry is bad and, and those kinds of things. And so we actually have a guest here tonight, today, whatever, whenever you're listening. We have Mr. B here, who actually, when we had our phone conversation, it was to talk about being on the pod. It was shortly after Mr. E and I had started talking about doing this episode and he came in with his story and I said, wow, this is like karma. This is
1: perfect. So hi, Mr. B, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, pleasure to be. Here.
0: Thank you for patiently waiting. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. You
2: sat through a lot of stuff, so thank yeah. you for that. That
1: was, a, that was a great history lesson, kind of concise. You know, it's a 20-minute history without actually seeing it on YouTube. So There you. you go. See,
2: we should have done a Drunk History. Uh, you guys ever yeah. seen that on YouTube? Yeah, yeah we should yes. have done that. That would yeah. have been
0: much no, better. No, no. This, this, if we did this <laughs> as Drunk History, we'd be... So That's somebody true. would blow up my house. Like it would just be a problem. <laughs> it's not. So Mr. B, can you just give us a little very vague, very basic background of who you are, where you are, what you teach, that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a, a math teacher. I'm in the Midwest and I'm in close to, to year ten, eleven, twelve, somewhere around there. It's it's after so many you just stop keeping track because <laughs> They do it for you. So true. I've taught at a few different schools. I taught at very small schools and in rural part. And right now I am actually in a very large school teaching with a fairly fairly large faculty where the faculty is is bigger than my graduating class from high school. So that kind of puts perspective okay you know how large the faculty is for the building that I'm in
0: and, and you teach high school
1: yep yes high
0: school math my, my hat goes off to you because I, I stopped at middle school math and there's no way I could touch high school math absolutely not
1: <laughs> I mean everyone loves math so the kids are just always eager to come everything you
0: you know math rules i mean they just don't know that but it's it's everything math is everything okay and um just out of curiosity are you in a a state that has a union
1: i am i am in a state that has a union and i am part of that union oh excellent
0: yeah mr e is looking super jealous right now
2: well i mean honestly it's one of those things where like I don't even know what I'm missing because I've never taught in a state with a union. So it's one it's, of those cases where like ignorance is bliss, I guess.
0: It's kind of being able to sleep <laughs> at night a little bit better. That's, you know, yeah. it's it's like Jack Nicholson in, in uh, A Few Good Men. You know, there's somebody on the wall allowing me to sleep at night. It's my union. It's not, it's not Jack Nicholson. Okay. <laughs> so Mr. B, why don't you tell us? What brings you here?
1: Yeah, so there was a, uh, a lot of changes that happened in the district that I'm currently at. And I, just at a very vague level, you know, there was some some issues with how things were being done. And that was kind of brought forth. And we had a very nice opportunity to get some additional training and equity. And that was something that was offered to staff. It was, it, was not, it was not mandatory. It wasn't required. It was supplemental. And when that finally went through, because uh, I put this in asterisk, you know, there was some issues getting it to actual implementation stage through all of the things that you've already discussed and have already mentioned. A lot of people are really resistant to change if they don't understand what the change is going to do, or even if it's a perceived change, it may not be a change, but, it you know, maybe it's perceived that it is that. So there was a lot of a lot of issues with it, you know, the training even coming in and I finished it. It was four day, four day training. It was really, really beneficial. It put a lot of things in perspective for me as a teacher mm-hmm. and what I can do in the classroom to help make the classroom a safe learning space, which I think as, as a teacher, you really want, you want a safe environment for all students. You know, if the student doesn't feel safe, you're not going to learn. Of course. Um, so that was just kind of like the the beginning part of of the of the training was here. Here's the goal of the training. Here is our end goal. It was a really well done.
2: So, what what would you say would be like one of those like keystone things that you learned to 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 implement in your in your class?
1: Yeah. So, man, good question. So, for me personally, just understanding the story of each student. And it's a multifaceted approach. Like I can't just look at someone and say, "Oh, you're white. Here's your story." Or, "Hey, you're in this day and age. You're a girl. So here's your story." It's like the assumptions that are that are being put out there, and how it is. So digging deeper and realizing that you can't you can't just judge not only a person but a group of people based on your limited limited story, your limited knowledge, whatever that that set is. Good. So,
0: yeah. What were the objections to, to this?
1: So this, oh, man, <laughs> there was a few. One of our school board members made the news because of something that was stated. And reading that and having that painted out in the community, that was just a, a huge red flag into what you don't know what you don't know. And that's what the school board member suffered from. Mm-hmm. This person didn't know what they didn't know. And so it was really evident. And And you can imagine when someone says something that's publicly recorded, that's, that's documented, that has their name attached to it, and then, like, it, you're wrong. Like it is it is it is a blatant factual error, but you can tell the person made it out of innocence, not 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 ignorance, not like they knew better, but they didn't know better. And so that was kind of the the big change, you know, in the community and, and that discussion, you know, discussions could start having they were able to take place because the person was receptive. They were open. Okay. And they acknowledge, like you know, even you have an acknowledgement afterwards. Now, does the news media? They don't know. They don't ever do a follow up with this person, you know. No. But they did, and that that part I think is really what goes on behind the scenes that we don't always necessarily see. Um, as teachers, we hear the news, but we don't ever see the follow up. We it's the same right. thing coming down from above. Uh, what filters down sometimes isn't rain; it's something else, and no one wants that. You know, analogy.
0: That is, that's great.
1: I tell people that my my immediate supervisors all have really big umbrellas, and so I have not had that fall which off is, yet.
0: <laughs> which is fortunate that that is fortunate. And you know, you make a really good point that people don't know what they don't know. And what we're seeing here now with this whole explosion about critical race theory being taught in the schools is, don't you know that it's not being taught in the schools? Like I, like, and people just get the information from somebody else and from YouTube and from Facebook, and they think they know everything, and and they don't.
1: You're, you know, you're right. It's really unfortunate because that that avenue of you know that information and media being so prevalent, you can share ideas very quickly. And you can also share inaccuracies just as quickly. And so that's something Mm -hmm. that, you know, as an educator, it, it, I'm fighting all the time if I want to, you know, teach anything about statistics. It's like, all right, hey, where did this data actually come from? It, let's yep. hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me see your infographic there. All right. Uh, that looks like it was made by uh, a Reddit user. All right. Well, the <laughs> there is questionable. I say as a Reddit user myself.
0: <laughs> true. I was going to say, how did I find you? Oh, on Reddit. That's true. Let me ask you a question. And, and
2: well, you found since, me on Reddit too.
0: <laughs> I know I've got to stop hanging out on Reddit. It's terrible. Because, We're uh, all terrible. It's, it's really, you know, so let me ask you a question because this is one of the, the buzzwords from this organization in Texas. Since you took training in equity, can you define equity for us?
1: Man, All right. So here's the real test that was kind of the thing that I was wondering myself kind of going in is, you know, like what, what's, what is equity? And I didn't really get a clear definition in the beginning of the training, like what, equi- what equity is. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more so like what it isn't. And okay. that was actually kind of nice because a lot of people, myself included went in with kind of expectations of, is this going to be checking a box? Uh, I don't want to go to a mm-hmm. training If it's just going to be checking a box, especially uh-huh super long training over multiple days. Oh, no, pass. But understanding like equity comes from same root word as equal and equalness. And recognizing that there is not equalness, you know, everyone is different, period. Mm -hmm. You know, the hard stop, but recognizing the differences that make us who we are as teachers, as students, as learners, people, whatever, that is, that is really what it was getting into when, when we say equity, it was, okay, here are the things that make us different, that make us not equal, that make us who we are, and that, that is a sum of all parts.
0: I think that that sounds very reasonable. because, And it's interesting because in part of this research where people were objecting to equity, one of the parents said, I don't think it's fair that, you know, Hispanic kids are just going to all be given A's because they're Hispanic. And it's like, and, and somebody was like, that's not equity. That's equity would be, okay, we're going to have an ESL teacher work with them so that they're actually able to learn alongside the other classes classmates that's equity to bring them to the same level or you know But yeah there's so many misunderstandings of it it's just it's it just, just amazing it just
2: makes makes me wonder where are they getting this idea that hispanic students are going to be getting a's like where did they hear that where did they come to that understanding
0: It's it's a really big jump in
1: in In logic, yeah.
0: Logic, logic, in in quotation marks.
1: There's actually a really good graphic that we were reviewing in the training, and you you may be familiar with it. It's uh, uh, kids at a baseball game, and there's kids of different heights.
0: Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so they're actually recently, they they added a new one, and it says liberation. So here's kind of like the idea where maybe you've seen it before. If you haven't, you know, there's three kids, there's different heights, giving everyone a box, you know, because you're being equal to all. Mm-hmm. I, I could be getting it wrong. But, you know, and then, then no, you're, another, on, you're on track, there's another another graphic where, you know, it gives the box to the person who's another box, the person who's shortest, the person who's tallest doesn't need any box C, so they don't have a box. Um, and then my favorite was liberation and liberation, it removed the fence. And that was something I had yeah. never seen before. And so that was kind of a, a like, oh, hey, there's an issue. Let's just remove the fence now. That may be an issue if the home runs are determined by the fence. Maybe we need to reestablish, you know, what that what that boundary is. But that was kind of like an oh, huh, all right. Kind of a deep moment there.
0: That's really cool. I've never seen that last iteration of that. And th- that's a concept that actually makes, it really makes you think. Apparently there are people who are convinced that this is going to be the, the end all of our days. And this is, it's great in your district that they finally allowed this training to take place. Are you seeing any results of it? Any changes in, in your district?
1: So this is kind of a weird thing where the training started with some of the higher ups and the administration, some of the the board members, they all went through some of the training first. And then I was in a later part of the training. So this happened, this actually happened you know, it was approved and everything. We're talking last year around March. So Ah. imagine how that threw a whole sort of wrench and everything. So, so being Mm. able to do it in person was fantastic, which I found out not everyone had that opportunity. So I can imagine that this was a lot more different for those not in person, because it's a lot of, you know, being vulnerable in front of a group of people developing Mm -hmm. that sort of thing being able to basically speak your mind and understanding that you may get things wrong. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So just kind of going through all that, I connected with a few people that I wouldn't have normally reached out and connected to, which was super beneficial, but nothing has really changed because school's out. Like we're in summer currently, so Mm -hmm. I would be interested to see if anything changes over the next you school board meetings. Maybe when the school starts, we get things underway. This program is still going on. There's still some other groups that are that are going through it. So it'd be not, you know, when this is done, what's going to happen after that? So that's kind of like the next steps. You know? And a lot of us in the group are still in contact and and have asked them, like, what are the next steps? What are we going to do as whatever our roles are? Because it was a mix of people in this particular group that I had. It wasn't just uh, teachers. So that was nice. Oh, okay.
0: Well, um, Thank you for bringing that to us. We just have a couple of Redditor comments that I just wanted to put out there. In response to a meme that said veteran teachers will be teaching CRT regardless, somebody named Marley Ray said 100% accurate. So I guess that's her plan. I found this one very interesting from Dread Canadian. Love the handles on Reddit. It's just the best. Beyond the history, social science, and English teachers on the front lines of this discussion. CRT topics like redlining, environmental racism, global demography, and many other aspects of CRT are key to teaching environmental science and studies, including the AP curriculum. Adding that here, just in case any natural science teachers don't feel under assault by these laws. So science teachers, you're in, okay? (laughs) All right, Uh, Mr. E, you wanna take some of these other ones?
2: This next one comes from (laughs) Luis. Interesting. (laughs)
0: Louise's Twitch eye. Louise's
2: Twitch eye. Love it. Uh, I teach fourth grade in Virginia, and our entire social studies curriculum is Virginia studies. I'm not teaching racism. I'm teaching history in Virginia, which happens to be hella racist. (laughs) I use the term racist because it's thrown around so much when discussing CRT. To claim that CRT is something radical is to deny our country's foundation and history. I plan on teaching history, no matter how uncomfortable that makes old white people. This one's from Paradoxa 77. Please tell me who exactly is teaching primary school children a collegiate-level sociological lens that examines the experiences of race.
0: And then uh, actually Paradoxa 77 continued on to say, you can absolutely be bigoted against white people. No, No one denies that. However, critical theory is explicitly uninterested in the individual and psychological level. It doesn't talk about racism against whites for the same reason it doesn't talk about quantum physics. It's irrelevant to that particular field of study. There are other lenses that do that job better. And finally, from PJV 2001, One, as a teacher for over 25 years, anti-bias and anti-racism, as well as the history of racism in our country, need to be required teaching. And I do want to say that there were other Redditors who took the other side of this argument, but they did not give me permission to use their comments on the pod, so we do not have their opinions expressed here. So again, this is something that now that you've had your history lesson and you know what critical race theory is, the important or one of the important things to take away from this is that this is not just a news item that you should let wash over you. This can absolutely impact your teaching. In Nevada, they were talking about having teachers wear body cams so that they could make sure that teachers do not teach what they're not allowed to teach. Mr. E pointed out to me that a bill in Arizona that did not get passed was proposing that teachers receive a $5,000 fine for teaching what they are not allowed to teach. So this could be coming to you know your neighborhood very soon and could be impacting what you teach it could be impacting the safety of your job and once again you know the, the teachers are just we're just caught in the middle of of this nonsense
2: yeah and 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 as we said earlier we we're we're approaching this subject as learners and if we mess something up if we left something out if there's nuance that we are missing let us know
0: keep your eye on the prize here because this is this is it, it exploding yeah and it's not it it could explode right into your lap
2: okay let's do something fun
0: Let's do something fun. Let's do pop quiz. Here we are. Pop quiz for those of you who are not familiar is when Mr. E and I ask a question or two of our guest and of each other. And we discuss them. They are not difficult questions. So I'm not going to put Mr. B on the spot and ask him to explain what quantum physics is or anything along those lines, or to do any sort of calculus for us, because I wouldn't know if he was right or wrong anyway. So instead, we're just just
2: fall asleep.
0: Yeah, probably. (laughs) So all right. So here we go. I'm actually going to go first, which I never do, but I just feel like I want to today. So okay. Ah. Okay. So Mr. B and Mr. E, wow, this is creepy what is the best gift you've received from a student
1: all right I, i've already got this so i can go oh, go for it yeah go i received a pen holder and a kind of a temperature clock all in one sort of thing from a, an amazing student and then it said on it, it had the student had it engraved it actually said mr b there is no substitute for a great teacher Oh, really nice gift, and this had a lot of meaning because the classroom temperature could not be um, controlled. And so <laughs> oh. I, I mean, we, I had it what I thought was control, but we did a test and we, you know, changed it each day to see like if we turn all the way up, does it do anything? Nope. Did it turn it all the way down, does it do anything? <laughs> oh yeah. man! So, so it was kind of nice. It was, it was a wonderful gift, and um, it now adorns my my classroom now. So. Wonderful.
0: Very nice. That's a nice one, uh, Mr. E.
2: I'm actually using the, the the best gift I ever got, which was a travel coffee mug that keeps coffee hot for 12 hours.
0: Ooh, that's a good one.
2: And yeah, and and I got that along with a bag of very good coffee at the end of the very school nice. year. So my students learn by. By the end of the first month that I'm, I'm pretty coffee obsessed. So yeah, that's usually the (laughs) the gift that I get from them.
0: Very Uh, nice. So, yeah, I actually got, I had my students know that I am a diehard New England Patriots fan. And uh, one of my students don't make a face. (laughs) (sighs) It's funny how envy shows anyway. So one of my students' fathers was, is an artist. And he went to a meet and greet with one of the Patriot players up in Northern Jersey and got him to sign a painting that he did of this player. It was not like Tom Brady or anybody like that. So I have this painting with the signature of the player and his number on that. So I thought that was really cool.
2: That is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that is. It was was a creative gift. All right, Mr. E, what is your question?
2: Okay. If you decided to quit teaching, what would you do instead?
0: I'm doing it. I quit teaching.
2: (laughs) I'm not asking you. (laughs) Well, we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll get in the time machine and, and we'll go back to to when you were a teacher.
0: Um, (laughs) Go ahead, Mr. B. (laughs)
1: Oh, this is a, this is a really difficult question. Um, uh, is stay-at-home dad. Is that an option? Um, I don't know. As
0: long as you have a kid.
1: That's true. Yeah, that <laughs> God, is kind of a prerequisite. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys, I'm actually... Uh, this is breaking the fourth wall, but I'm recording in my son's bedroom because it has...
0: Yes, I could I, I <laughs> kind of figured that <laughs> out.
1: Location. No, yeah, I don't have very poorly drawn trees as <laughs> in my living space. You know, it, that was... I, I've always wondered, like, if I didn't, if I didn't do teaching, what would I do? And I guess if if money, if money mattered, is kind of a weird way to say it, but if money mattered, that I would actually go into being probably an actuary and do that. Uh, oh yeah, there but, you go. Uh, fortunately, I have found a district where I can make enough <laughs> to support myself and my children. So very
0: nice. Well. I've done so many different things when I was not a teacher. I was a wall streeter and now I'm an ADHD coach and tutor and all those things. But if I was going to pick something, like if I had not become a teacher or wanted to be a teacher, I absolutely hundred percent would have become a lawyer. Absolutely. I, I think I might've missed my calling on that one because I'm good at researching and I'm good at talking and arguing and all of that. So yeah. So that's what I would be, but Instead, I'm quit teaching and I'm not a lawyer and it's okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's interesting if, if we're talking about like dream job, I I would have loved to be a hockey broadcaster, like a, like a play-by-play announcer.
0: We actually know somebody who does that.
2: Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
2: I actually started off as a, as a journalism major with the idea of, of doing that. And then I just fell in love with creative writing and, and decided to to switch, and but you know, if I was if I was going to do something else with the degree and the credentials that I have, probably some form of social work. I, I was a caregiver before, um, working with kids with developmental disabilities, and that was really fulfilling. So maybe maybe something along those lines. But yeah, dream job, hockey broadcaster.
0: There you go. I thought you were going to say hockey player. I was like, really. <laughs>
2: well. I need to. If, lose we're, some if we're really going first. dream
0: job, I, I uh, I'm gonna be you know a supermodel, but that's, that's yeah. a dream. Well, that's a big dream.
2: I want to. I want to keep my teeth. You know.
0: <laughs> True. Good point. Good point. Well, Mr. B, thank you so much for joining us on the pod, and keep in touch because we want to hear what happens if anything changes because of uh, people in your district being trained in this way. It will be interesting to to find out. You, could, you can draw a graphic for us. I we'll, will do my best. I would, I would love Thank that.
1: Thank you for having me, I appreciate it.
0: Oh, we love having guests.
1: Thank you, so, yeah.
0: So much fun. Uh, before we do our usual shout outs, I'm just gonna do a, rant, and it's not a random shout out, but it's a, a personal shout out. I would like to give a shout out to Sam Mattis. Sam came in third in the Olympic trials for discus. And so he is off to Tokyo. He is a friend of the Yomis family. And we watched this kid grow up and he is a very, very special young man and he's a number i guess now he's the number 3 discus thrower in the US and number 16 in the world so wow and we are as proud as we can be not being his parents so <laughs> so Sam if you're listening we love you and we're behind you okay now back to the regular shout outs a quick shout out to Josie Hartson from Short Quest Long Rest for doing our intro
2: and thank you again to Mrs. E for our artwork and to Scotty for Making the audio magic happen. And as always, thank you uh, to everyone for listening. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> you I always, always forget to keep going. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, please subscribe, rate, and review us whenever you listen to uh, your podcasts or our podcast. And please spread the word.
0: You can find us on Facebook at Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod. On Instagram, where we crossed the border of 1200 followers today, at WTBOTTCast, or will this be on the Test Teacher Pod? At our website, will this be on the testteacherpod.podbean.com? Or you can email us at WTBOTTCast at gmail.com.
1: You
2: can also find us on Twitter at WTBOTTCast. I think we're still under 1100.
0: No, you're, uh, yeah, you're, you're pretty close to 1100 though.
2: Yeah. And, and what, what bothers me is once you reach a threshold of, of following, mm-hmm. you can't follow any other accounts. Oh, that's so I, bullshit. Yeah. So I've had to like drop people who I'm following <laughs> and it's just, it that's sucks. clever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's. Yeah. It's a, anyway, it is. It's a strategy. Yeah. (laughs) You can also find us on Reddit, on our subreddit at r backslash w t b o t t underscore teacher underscore pod. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Remember to stay safe.
0: And remember to breathe before you dive into the pool. See ya. (laughs)